Sabres are in a playoff spot. Kinda. We'll tell you why next year in the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. And we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Joe DiBiase here on the show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, whether wherever you may be listening Subscribe, hit the like button, drop a comment in, drop a uh, you know, drop a tweet as well at Locked On Sabers or at Sneaky Joe Sports. Our episode today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com/slash Locked On today to get started. Speaking of FanDuel, I uh, our f- betting. Uh, segment from yesterday did not go so hot against the St. Louis Blues, but a win, which is more important. The Sabres win against the Blues 5-3. to three. We'll recap it here on the show, tell you what happened around the league, where they are in the standings, um, and today's a very interesting day to talk about the standings because the Sabres are right there. They are knocking on the door, and depending on how you categorize the standings, you could even see them in a spot, but we'll explain a little bit later on. The betting night, not good for me. I had been having a couple of a good couple of weeks. If you had been, you know, following along with our our betting uh, advice night by night for the Sabers, it's been going pretty well. Whoo! Last night did not go well. Oh for three. Jordan Bennington over or uh, over twenty eight and a half saves. Nope. Uh, over six and a half or under six and a half goals. Nope. Victor Olofsson to score a goal. Nope. Nothing. Oh for three. Didn't go well. One of my worst betting nights of the year, not just for the Sabres, but in hockey in general. I had Montreal plus a goal and a half. I had the, I, I did have the under on Colorado, uh, Washington. So I hit on that, but otherwise it was, it was not good. Not good at all for me. Uh, but anyways, it was good for the Sabres. And that's what matters most. The Sabres get the win over the Blues five to three and a very adventurous game. Uh, the Sabres had a four nothing lead. Four to nothing. They came out of the gates flying. They scored in the opening minute again. They have done that six times, which is one of the highest marks in franchise history. Uh, their sixth opening goal uh, goal of the season. That was in the first period. Then they did it again in the second period. So they came out hot in both the first and the second. They got to that early three nothing lead. They kind of sat on it for a lot of the first period. Then the second period, they come out and they they come out firing again. A very skilled goal by Tage Thompson. And then here come the Blues. I don't really think the play was that one-sided. It's not like Sabres got up 4 nothing and they sat back and they let the Blues come to them and they played conservative. In fact, I think the Sabres actually played aggressive for a lot of that second and third period, especially in the third period. I mean, there were times with five, six minutes to go then that four-on-four. There was the four-on-four in the third period, matching roughing penalties for Kyle Poso And forgive me for forgetting the Blues defensemen that hate petting crimes. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and there's the Sabres. They're chasing behind the net. There's a four-checker chasing behind the net, causing an odd man rush going the other way. They were playing ultra-aggressive, despite the fact they were up one goal. 
And maybe that was because they had allowed three and they felt like they weren't going to be able to get home with just four. They needed to score another goal to be able to win that game. I don't know. I don't mind it. I like it. In fact, I get annoyed when they park the bus. I get annoyed when they play ultra conservative just because they're winning. Um, So I liked that strategy by the Sabres. And I would say uh, that it's something that Don Granado has not done a lot. And I did see it in this night, but uh, either way, Three goals unanswered by the Blues, made it 4-3, the power play late. It definitely got scary if you were watching that as a Sabre fan, thinking, oh, they're going to tie it. They're going to tie it. The the third goal goes in in the first minute of the third period, the the third goal by the Blues to make it 4-3. It didn't every Sabres fan collectively just go, oh, here we go. They're going to do it. They're going to blow the lead. They didn't. And then the power play that they get late in the game, Peyton Krebs takes a penalty on a faceoff. Didn't write then you think this is where they tie it and they win the game, but they didn't. Sabres did a great job hunkering down in that third period after it was a one goal game. They played very well defensively, I thought, for a lot of times. And Ukapekalukanen played great in the third period, fantastic in the third period. Now we got lucky on one that one by Vladimir Tarasenko. The hockey gods smiled down upon the Sabres and they gave them a break because Vladimir Tarasenko beat Ukapekalukanen on a shot from the right side, over the shoulder, over the blocker, and the top of the tippy top of Lukanen's stick got the puck. And it hit it cleanly, and the puck hit that top of the stick square. It could have just nicked it and still gone in, but it hit it square and did not go in. That was some luck right there. But otherwise, Lukanen made some big saves, point-blank chances. That wasn't Tarasenko's only chance. He had three or four in the third period and was able to get through it. So a great game by the Sabres. They get the goals early on. A lot of chances in and around the net. Um, they did uh, They did not, or they did outshoot the Blues in this game, 31-28. to 28. So they outshot them in terms of shot attempts in this game. That's the one that went in favor of St. Louis, but it's pretty even, 34-31 to 31 at 5-on-5 five five in favor of the Blues. So a pretty even game, I would think, when you kind of quantify it all together. First, of course, 35 minutes belonged to the Sabres, and then after that, it was a lot of a lot of blues uh, in terms of scoring chances. But an even game and a good win. The Sabres' first win in St. Louis since 2009. This team has not won in St. Louis since 2009, when Tim Connolly and Mike Greer scored goals. That's how long it had been. Uh, but they get the win here on the road. And an interesting thing about the Sabres in the standings, now if they win this game against the Blues, They have a great road record. They're eighth in the NHL in points percentage on the road. 14-7-1 on the road versus 11-12-2 at home. And Sabermetrics, I'll give credit where credit is due there, they at Sabermetrics on Twitter, they tweeted out this morning that the Sabres actually have a very good record at home when it comes to attendance. 5-2 Five and two at home when there's seventeen plus thousand fans in attendance. Six, ten, and two at home when there's fewer than seventeen thousand fans in attendance. So, you know, big games in Dallas and Boston and these uh, Toronto high energy buildings, big atmospheres. The Sabers kind of live up to the pressure of big atmosphere, energy in the building. They're a young team that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, so Sabre fans get in that arena. It's happening more recently. Anyway, a lot of sellouts recently. Um, 
But the the Sabers, I mean, there there is evidence they are playing better when there are fans in the building or when they are on the road and there are big atmospheres, uh, as evidenced by their great road record and their five and two record when there's seventeen thousand fans or more in the building at home. So, but the Sabers on the road, just that has kept them in this race and allowed them to be in the race is. They're eighth in the NHL in points percentage on the road. And now a four-game win streak to talk about here. Uh, Our go-ahead of the night, our MVP of the night for the Sabres, the number one star of the game in the game as well. Pretty easy, Tage Thompson. One goal, two assists, sort of a revenge game. He's had revenge games against the Blues already. But here it is happened. Now it happens in St. Louis. A goal and two assists. All very nice, skilled plays. I mean, that first assist he has to Jeff Skinner. That's a skilled play. That is Thompson sucking pressure down low. And, you know, maybe last year, Thompson just shoots that puck on a backhand and just whips it on the net. But instead, he has the wherewithal to recognize, oh, Skinner is roaring down the slot. And all I got to do is put this somewhere in his wheelhouse, and he's going to blast it. He's going to blast it home. And he does. Um... He does. Skinner blasts it, and he scores the goal, and uh, he gets his first assist there. The second assist comes a little bit later on, um, not too much later on, and then the goal is a skilled play as well. Talk with a little drop back pass. Skinner kind of flubs it, and Thompson goes a little smooth forehand, backhand toe drag, and just a little soft backhand into the net over uh, past Jordan Pennington. So for his second goal in his last 10 games, he gets back in the goal-scoring column, But it wasn't just the points in this game. Thompson advanced numbers were incredible. He was number one on the team in expected goals for with 72.4%. He was number one in Corsi percentage shot attempts, uh, 70.59 percentage. He had nine scoring chances when they were on the ice, the Sabres did, and they had four against. So nine scoring chances when Tage was on the ice, four when uh, against. And also, that's a pretty goal. First time, long time? For a pretty goal, I mean, this guy was scoring highlight reel goals every night for two months, and that kind of went away a little bit. Uh, A nice goal here by Thompson to get back in the goal column uh, and hopefully get back on track. That line, kind of a, a throwback for the Sabres. That's not really how they've been winning games in January. They've been winning games in January with a balanced lineup. The middle stat Olofsson line contributing at five on five, the Thompson line contributing at five on five here and there. Ocposo, Krebs scoring goals. Um, of course, Dylan Cousins leading his line. Every line is kind of contributed here and there. They have a nice balanced lineup. That was more of a win last night that they had back in October where it was a one-line show. And it was. I mean, all of those first four goals were scored by uh, that first line. Even the Owen Power goal, that's an assist by, I think Skinner makes the pass, if I'm remembering correctly here. Um, let me double-check that at the game cast for you. Owen Power, uh, Thompson got the assist, but Paterko was on the ice as well, so maybe they were a little bit in between a shift. But that was where Thompson's second assist came. Uh, Power scores the goal, but otherwise, Thompson's on the ice for all four goals. Uh Skinner scores one, Tuck scores one, Tage scores one. He gets an assist on the power goal. That was a one-line show by the Sabres on the night. Now, don't get me wrong. Other guys played well. Cousins makes a great effort on that empty net goal uh, to kind of push the puck away from the Blues, backhanded from center ice and in. Um, I didn't think the Oposo line had a good night at all. Krebs did well, but I didn't think Gergensen's or Oposo did. So kind of a one-line show. Tage Thompson, star of the night as our goat head of the night. 
When we come back, we'll continue to talk about this game. My explain yourself segment. I had some tweets out that I want to explain from uh, Sabres and Blues. And then a look at the standings and the playoff races. We take a sail across the Atlantic. That is ahead here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. And we are presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL playoffs are here. We are really excited to tell you about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. FanDuel. And if you are new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that makes betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. All on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. I like some bets coming up in tomorrow's game against the Winnipeg Jets. So come back tomorrow on the show and I'll have my uh, betting preview for for Buffalo versus Winnipeg uh, before the game on Thursday night. So hockey fans, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOnNHL. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Sneaky Joe DiBiase back here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. All right. I'm going to explain myself here. Time to explain myself. Going to go through my tweets, break them down, uh, thoughts that I had during the game, kind of my notebook for the game. Uh, And we will start with something that we talked about on our last show, which, by the way, you can check out on our YouTube channel or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Just go back into the feed, find the last one, a little more detailed on this subject. Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks. He is potentially available for trade. And what we had was a report on Tuesday from Dave Pegnota of the fourth period that said the Sabres were a team linked to Timo Meyer and the San Jose Sharks, who was an upcoming restricted free agent, 30 plus goal scorer, 26 years old, needs a contract, but a great player. Right winger can play left wing as well. Pierre Lebrun of TSN confirmed that the Sabres have made contact with the Sharks regarding Timo Meyer. So a little bit more of a trustworthy source. I think Dave Pagnota is a, is a reliable source. He broke the John Tavares news way back when for Toronto. He breaks stories every year. Uh, but this is this is Lebrun. Like Lebrun is almost the Schefter uh, of the of the of the NHL. So LeBron confirmed the Sabres have made contact with the Sharks regarding Timo Meyer. This is a star player. You know, he plays out in San Jose, so he's not quite a household name among casual hockey fans, but hardcore NHL fans know this player, know he is a great talent, point-per-game player, 30-plus goals. And I think, you know, one thing I didn't mention on the show on Tuesday that I think could make sense for, for Meyer and why the Sabres would be into this is he could kind of be the, the partner in crime for Dylan Cousins. Cousins is having a phenomenal season, but Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka just been a little streaky. You know, they're, they're rookies. They've been some down moments. I think they're great talents. I think that is a line that could play for years to come on this team, but Timo Meyer would help get the most out of Dylan Cousins and kind of give him a, a reliable score night to night that he doesn't c- consistently have at the moment. Um, so I like the idea of Meyer with Cousins if the Sabres were to acquire him. It's a big move. They would have to figure out the contract. One thing LeBron mentioned that Pagnota did not is teams are trying to get 
permission from the San Jose Sharks to talk contract with Meyer before acquiring him. My best guess, given the Sabres' recent history with guys like Sam Reinhardt and Ristolainen and Eichel and you know, not wanting to get burned by a guy that could tell them, oh, I'm going to walk to free agency in a year, and then you either, one, are going to lose him for nothing, or two, you're going to have to sell him for a depleted price that you uh, – or the pennies on the dollar. If the Sabres can get clarity on the contract before trading for Meyer – I think that is the only way they would make a deal like this. It's just a guess. I don't know that, but my guess would be Sabres want to figure out, can we get a contract done with you before we actually trade, you know, a first round pick in Noah Oslin? Cause he would not be, he would not come cheap, especially if a contract comes with it. Now that would be the price you pay. The sharks would know this. The sharks would know his price won't be as high. If you are going to take on uncertainty, if you are going to take on risk of not knowing whether or not there's a contract, he's not going to cost as much, but, if that, and this is why I think the Sharks could, should let him talk. They could get more. The Sabres would have to pay more. If Okay, you're not just getting Timo Meyer. You're getting Timo Meyer in a brand new eight-year contract and, or seven-year contract, and you're, you know he's going to be around. So, But my thought right immediately, yo, a guy like Noah Oslin, Isaac Rosine, a first-round prospect, um, I would like if the Sabres can stay away from trading Yuri Kulik or Matthew Savoy. Um, but, you know, Oslin in a first is my my first thought for a package for Timo Meyer. Uh, my next tweet, uh, in Bettman's NHL, this isn't a penalty, and it's the hit of uh, Mikola from the Blues crushing Peyton Krebs from behind in the third period on uh, Tuesday night. In Bettman's NHL, this isn't a penalty, but grazing the puck with your glove off the faceoff is. Now, that is a reference to the penalty at the end of the game, the Sabres were shorthanded where they scored their empty net goal. Krebs goes down on the faceoff. By the way, I actually don't think Peyton Krebs was tr- trying to touch the puck with his glove. It looked like that, and you could still argue it's dumb what he did. I think what Krebs was trying to do was almost shovel the puck with the shaft of his stick. Um, and that, you could say, is dumb because the refs, it's going to be hard for the refs to see that. It's going to look like to them from a distance, oh, you're trying to move the puck with your glove. And he could sell all he wants to, hey, I move the puck with my shaft. Uh, it's it's a tough sales pitch to the to the ref. You have to think about how the ref's not in a great position to see that because it's such an imperfect science. And these guys are terrible at their jobs in the National Hockey League. You can't count on them getting that right. But anyways, that wasn't the point. The point was Krebs got destroyed from behind the most textbook hit from behind boarding penalty you've ever seen in your life. It was closer to a five minute penalty than it was to being a non penalty. Uh, the Sabres defend him. Kyle Poso goes in after the guy pushing match, but I, I can't believe that wasn't a penalty. The refs swallowed their whistles on that one. And that was dangerous. It is dangerous. And it is so freaking stupid that refs think, Oh, I'm not going to decide the game by putting my whistle away at the end of games. When in reality, all they are doing is deciding games. That's all they're doing. They're deciding the game in that moment. They're they're deciding to give the Blues an advantage of, oh, you could cheat here. You know, you could do something that is illegal. We're not going to punish you for it. How is that not deciding the game? I It's just ridiculous. Next tweet. Poetic justice that the Sabres built one of the best lines in hockey with the trade returns of Jack Eichel, Ryan O'Reilly, and Cliff Poo. I thought this would just be funny. That's just some comic relief here. That was a great night by the Thompson line. Thompson, of course, in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. Uh, Tuck comes back in the Jack Eichel deal. 
and Skinner got traded for Cliff Poo. Just a little friendly reminder that somehow the Carolina Hurricanes decided to trade Jeff Skinner for Cliff Poo, who, by the way, now plays in China. He plays for Kunlin Red Star of the KHL. So nowhere near the NHL. And then, you know what? A little bit of a low blow. I didn't need to do this. We haven't done our Hack Eichel report in a while, which we started the season with as a segment here on the show. Got away from it. Vegas was too good. Wasn't fun anymore. You know what? Firing it back up. I fired it back up on Twitter. I'll fire it back up here. The Hack Eichel report. I tweeted on top of that poetic justice tweet. By the way, Jack Eichel now has one goal and one assist in his last eight games while getting called out publicly by his coach. But who's counting? Again, low blow. I had a Vegas fan. And like, why are we bringing up Eichel? I get it. They probably, probably shouldn't have. But it is kind of funny that right now Vegas is starting to turn on him. Search Eichel's name on either uh, the Golden Knights Reddit or on Twitter, and you're going to find a lot of upset Golden Knights fans. And the coach, the coach publicly calling him out. That's something. I never, even, I don't think that ever happened in Buffalo. I, I don't think. I'd have to think back. Did Bilesma ever do it? Did Housley ever do it? I don't think Kruger ever did it. Kruger would call it Jeff Skinner in public. Um, but Eichel's got one goal and one assist in his last eight games. Not going well. Uh, they lost again last night to the Devils. They're starting to lose. They're in a good enough spot where they make the playoffs, I'm assuming. But, yeah, not going well for Jack Eichel. Uh, my next tweet, and this is where we'll take a timeout and talk about this more in the next segment, our sail across the Atlantic segment. By points percentage, the Buffalo Sabres are in a playoff spot. We'll take a timeout. We'll look at the playoff race, and we'll take a sail across the Atlantic next uh, Atlantic Division and the Metro, too, here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Welcome back, Locked On Sabres at Sneaky Joe Sports at Locked On Sabres. The Sabres are in a playoff spot by points percentage. So they're kind of in a playoff spot. If you go to the official standings right now, they're going to be the first team out, not actually in a spot. But if you sort by points percentage, the Sabres are at .564, a 56.4 points percentage. Washington who is currently in the second wild card position are now below the Sabres at 564. Sabres at 5 or excuse me, Sabres at 564, Capitals at 560. The Penguins won on Tuesday night against the Florida Panthers. So Pittsburgh stays 3 points ahead, no games in hand on Pittsburgh for Buffalo, but they gain a point on Florida. They're now 1 point above Florida and maintain 3 games in hand, but it's really Washington now that is coming into the window. Washington, 56 points in 50 games. They have played three more games than the Sabres. The Sabres have three games in hand. They just have to go 1-1-1 one, one, and one in those three games in hand to match Washington in the standings. We'll have to start thinking about tiebreakers soon. ROW, regulation and overtime wins, is the first tiebreaker. And Washington is at 25, while the Sabres are at 24. So pretty good math here. Pretty good math. The Sabres are... I think in a good position to leapfrog Washington. They're going to have to really keep pace. And again, they'll have to stay ahead of Florida. I think Florida is a huge threat. That Florida-Pittsburgh game, by the way, man, 7-6. to six. I don't know how many people were flipping back and forth when the Sabres game was at intermission to that game on ESPN+. Plus, But that was a 7-6 game. Florida tied the game late. Not a great result for Buffalo. Uh, you don't want two teams right around you going to overtime because now three points are given out instead of two. So, a late goal by by Florida pushes the game to overtime. Chris Letang wins it in overtime. Uh, Pittsburgh, they've got their starting goalie, Tristan Jari, back. They've got Letang back. So they're at near as full strength as they're going to be. Um, 
So maybe Washington is the target here. Washington, by Matt, by the standings math, is the team to target. They are old, and I guess you could hope that they're going to kind of flutter at the end of the season here and fall out of a playoff spot. By the way, the Capitals and the Penguins do play each other on Thursday. So just don't have that game go to overtime. I would actually kind of root for Pittsburgh in this game to pull away uh, from Washington a bit and kind of fortify the Capitals as the team to catch for the Sabres at the moment. Florida, by the way, who have played three more games than the Sabres, they are not in action again until Friday night against the LA Kings, the Islanders in action on Wednesday night. So that's what's going on around the, the, the standings. Sabres at 53 points. Uh, below them, Florida at 52, the Islanders at 51, and then above them in playoff spots, both Washington and Pittsburgh at 56, but the Capitals have played three more games. All right, that is going to do it for us here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. On tomorrow's show, we will preview Sabres and Jets. I'll hope to do better uh, with my sneaky good bets uh, for Sabres and Jets. So come back tomorrow, uh, a rematch of a game from last week where the Sabres got goalied by Connor Hellebuck. I'm guessing it'll be Hellebuck again. By tomorrow, uh, time of recording, we should be able to tell you what the goalie matchup looks like for Sabres and Jets. So come back tomorrow, and thanks for listening here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast and making us your first listen every day.